We're just going to look at about 10 verses of that tonight. And uh, I thought we were through with building furniture, but uh, we've got another lesson on furniture tonight, some of the furniture that was built for the tabernacle. And uh, this piece of furniture is, I suppose, one of the most important ones in there. And as I studied it and have learned some things in my study over the last week and, and today, that uh, I think perhaps this may be one of the most important studies that, that we have had. Because of this, uh, not because of the piece of furniture, but what it represents. And it's called the, the uh, altar of incense. In, in one sense of the word. But let's just read the first 10 verses and then we'll stop and talk about it a while. Thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of acacia wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof and a cubit the breadth thereof. Four squares shall it be. And two cubits shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold the top thereof and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make it unto it a crown of gold round about. And two gold rings shalt thou make it, make to it under the crown of it, by the two corners thereof, upon the two sides of it shalt thou make it, and they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put it in before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. Now notice those little words there, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresses the lamps. He shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour drink offerings thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shalt thou make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord." This altar of incense, we see in this, once again, a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our intercessor. This is all about prayer, all about coming before the Lord in prayer. I know it doesn't sound like it when you start reading about the furniture, but it is. This, this piece of furniture was dedicated for a particular purpose, and that of, of uh, worshiping the Lord through our prayers. Prayers is one of the most significant things that you and I as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ can do. Prayer is something that even in doing our study of, about return to me, that one of the, the major things that 
we said would help this church more than anything is to get back to prayer. And I believe that. Uh, there used to be an old saying, I don't know who said it, but uh, 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 about the armies, you know, the cooks and things in there kept them fed marching, but it was the prayers of the saints that kept them going and got them through the battles and those kind of things. And there's a, a church up in Teleco Plains, uh, Providence Baptist Church, New Providence, I guess it's called. There is still a plaque there, there was the last time I was there, where that in the World War II, I believe there was 20-something men out of that church that was sent to the battlefields in World War II. But every day, the women of that church would gather and pray. And pray for those men. Pray for the, pour them by name. And you know what happened? God brought every single solitary one of them back. Not a one of them died in war. That's a, that's a good compliment to prayer, isn't it? And though many of those men were stalwart leaders in not only in that church, but in that whole area there in Teleco Plains. Let's look at the design and the materials first of all. We, we, we've seen this in everything that God had designed for the tabernacle. That it was something that he had designed it and he, he gave Moses the instructions as to how it was to be made. First of all, it was to be made out of acacia wood. Now, we've, we've already talked about this a number of times, that that symbolized uh, the perfection or the everlasting part of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that wood was incorruptible. So he, every piece of this furniture that's made in this tabernacle was made out of that same kind of wood. He said, yeah, that's the kind of wood you're to make it out of. It's to be square, 18 inches by 18 inches by three feet high. And if I remember correctly, this is probably the tallest piece of furniture in the whole tabernacle. I think the other, the other altar was two and a half feet high. It was to have horns on each of the corners. Uh, the altar that they'd made for, well, everything had horns on it, on those altars. Uh, each cor corner, and it was to be carved out of the same kind of wood. And it symbolized the power of God to answer prayer. And when we pray, we get not what we can do, but what God can do. And that's the importance of prayer, is to invite God to come and to work with us and to help us to be the kind of people that we need to be and to reach people for the Lord and all different kinds of things that we can pray about and talk to God about. God had told them when they made this that He would dwell there with them. It, we'll see some significance in this in just a moment. It was to be overlaid with pure gold on the top, on the sides, all, all over it. 
was to have gold. It has a gold molding around the top of it. And we've already talked about gold as a symbol of deity. That is, it's the most expensive of all of the metals, or at least in those days. Um, it was a prized possession. It still is in our day today. There were two golden rings that was to be attached to, to this altar. And these rings were to be used as they put the staves through it to carry it. So it was something that was mobile. And do you know, that says something about prayer also. You can pray anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Somebody said, they'll never get prayer out of school as long as they continue to have exams. <laughs> I think that's true. But so often we fail to pray. We fail to talk to the Lord and invite Him in to the situations that we're in. These, uh, these poles were also overlaid by gold. Now where is it to be placed? This is important. Verse 6, Thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. You remember the picture of the tabernacle. How that they had the outer curtains. We won't call them walls because they were curtains. As you entered into that part, there was the altar for a sacrifice. That man's sins had to be atoned for before he could come on in. And then they went into a smaller tent called the holy place. And in that tent, there was the candlesticks to give light. There was another altar. And then this piece. Am I missing anything? I don't have that picture with me. Yeah, the table. The table of showbread. Thank you. This piece sits just outside the Holy of Holies. That place back in the back of the holy place that only the high priest could go and only one time a year and he must enter it with a blood sacrifice and he must make an atonement for the people there. And there's that... Uh, altar that's in there. This altar sits just outside of it. Just the veil between them. And you see that altar that is in there, We what else is it? We call it the uh, it's, it's the presence of God. Is there. That's where God told Moses that he would meet with the high priest there. That he would meet there and he would dwell with his people. So as these people come 
to this altar of incense to pray. And we'll talk about the prayer in just a minute. They were very close to where God said that he would meet with them. They were in his presence. Didn't that still the same way today that when we really go to God in prayer, we come into his presence. He meets with us there. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing. And I, I think it's so wonderful that the Lord just, they couldn't get into that holy of holies. They, all the people were forbidden 365 or 364 days a year. And just on that one day, the Day of Atonement, could only the high priest go in there. But every one of them could come they could come by that altar out there and give their sin offering and they could be their sins could be forgiven and they could come on to that place and there they could offer up incense to God a sweet smelling savor as it's called so many times in the Bible and there they were very very close to where God said I will dwell with you so they were in God's presence. Now, the purpose of the altar is spelled out in verses 7 and 8. And Aaron shall burn their own sweet incense every morning. When he dresses the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at evening, he shall burn incense upon it. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. This was the purpose. It was a place to come, a place to pray. We, from time to time, invite people to come to the altar here to pray. Every church building I've ever been in has some sort of altar place where people can come to pray. Yes, I know you can pray sitting there in your seat. I know you can pray in your home. I know you can pray a lot of other places. But it takes a little effort for us to get out of our seats or maybe to walk down the aisle and people looking at us and those kind of things. But when we really want to come and talk with the Lord, that doesn't make a hill of beans difference, does it? whether somebody's looking at you or not. Sometimes the devil tells us those kind of things. That I'll tell you the truth of the matter. It probably blesses more people when they see someone coming to the altar than any other thing. To see people responding to God's invitation to come and meet with me, talk with me, listen to me. Prayer is so important in our, our lives. So, verse 7, Aaron shall burn their own sweet incense every morning. The high priest was to burn that incense every morning as he tended to the lamps. It talks about trimming them. I would suppose that means to dress the wicks, uh, clip them off. I, I remember when we burned kerosene lamps that you had to do that every once in a while or 
the flame would get out of whack and you'd have high on one side and low on the other. But uh, I can remember mom getting her scissors out and turning that wick up and cutting it straight across. And then the light was good. He says, it shall be a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. I uh, did a little study today on incense. In Psalms 141 and verse 2, David said, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. Let my prayer be set before thee as incense. Incense was a sweet smell. It was used sometimes to cover up the smell of all that flesh that had been sacrificed and the other things. In the book of Revelation, it talks about the elders fell before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors. And my Bible had a note there that that's incense. Golden vials full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And I found a passage that you'll be familiar with. Who was Zacharias in the New Testament? Anybody know? John the Baptist's dad. What was his position? He was a priest. You know what the Bible says about him? In Luke chapter 1 and verse 9, his lot or his job was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And it was there while he was burning incense that the Lord revealed to him that they would have a son. That he would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And he was. We call him John the Baptist. But he was doing about his job, burning incense. No doubt he was praying while he was burning the incense. And there the Lord revealed to him. And I, I found this in, in my own personal life. Most of the things that I have learned firsthand about God has come during times of prayer. When I'm talking with the Lord, and it may be at times when when I'm talking with him, about him, or with him, about some other problem or something of that sort, that the Lord just kind of intervenes. I, I remember when I pastored at Mount Pisgah Baptist Church, uh, I had me a little office down in the basement of the parsonage. And at that particular time, I was going through the study course uh, Prayer Life at T.W. Hunt wrote and was spending time in prayer that morning and the Lord spoke to me 
And this is what he said. Your next pastor will be at Cedar Fork. Well, Cedar Fork had a pastor. And I just thought, well, that's strange. I didn't say anything about it to anybody. About a week later, I was walking through the house, and the Francis said, you know what? I said, no, what? She said, for some reason, I believe her next pastorate will be at Cedar Fork. And I just smiled. I didn't, still didn't tell her anything. Well, a year later, a knock came on my door one day. And I got up and went to the door, opened it. I knew the man, but he introduced himself. He said, I'm one of the deacons at Cedar Fork Baptist Church, and I'm also on the pastor search committee. And he said, God told me to come and talk to you. He said, I should have been here six weeks ago, but I kept putting it off. He said, would you be interested in being our pastor? And I said, well, Pat, I'm interested in doing what the Lord wants. If that's what the Lord wants, I'm okay with it. They asked me to come and preach a weekend revival. And I went, and Mount Pisgah and Cedar Fork's only 10 miles apart. A lot of the folks from Mount Pisgah went with me to the revival. And sure enough, they called us as their pastor. Now, why did God reveal that to me? I don't know, other than just to prepare me. But when I was talking with the whole committee, they said, do you think this is where God wants you to be? I said, over a year ago, he told me this is where I'd be. So we stayed there seven and a half years as one of our better pastorates. This lady, I've got her funeral tomorrow night. We had a tent revival there out in the cemetery. It went for two weeks. This woman and her husband were both saved in that tent revival. I baptized them both, baptized nine people out of that revival. And guess who one of the preachers was? Brother Gerald Adkins. Him and Robert Moore. But here it is now. She died the same day that Mary died. But... Uh, God works that way. That incense that was being burned. It was to be a permanent thing. Let me get over here where I can read some of the writer's thoughts about it. He says the altar was to be the place where sweet incense was offered up to the Lord every morning and evening. I know we can pray any time. 
but two times a day I, I make it my privilege to pray of a morning when I've gotten up out of the bed and gotten dressed. It's one of the first things I do. I get my Bible and go in the living room and sit down and have a time of prayer. And then I open the Word of God and read the Word of God. Before I go to sleep each night, we have prayer. And there's other times during the day that we, we pray. He talks about the high priest burns incense every morning when he tended the lamps and the evening when he lit them. This symbolized the critical importance of praying every morning and evening. And he talks about the altar of incense was to be a place where a permanent incense ascended up to the Lord. And he says this symbolizes two things. There's the symbol of a permanent intercession of Jesus Christ. Christ is our intercessor. Jesus Christ is living forever and in the very presence of God to make intercession for us. He died and arose from the dead for this very purpose, to stand before God as the great intercessor for us. Now listen to the Scriptures. Isaiah 53, 12 says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Because he has poured out his soul into death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. One of the things Jesus said while he was on the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do praying for those who had nailed him to the cross. Wow. He intercedes for weak believers in Luke twenty-two thirty-two. says, but Jesus said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Who did he say that to? Anybody remember? Best I remember is Peter. He intercedes for his enemies, Luke 23, 34. Then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They parted my raiment and cast lots. He intercedes for the church. John 17, 9, Jesus said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus is praying for us tonight? He's interceding for us even at this very moment. Jesus intercedes on our behalf for God to accept us. Romans 8, 34, Paul says, Who is he that condemneth? That's a question. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Praise the Lord. He intercedes for our salvation. Hebrews 7, 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He intercedes for the Holy Spirit to abide with us. John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit of God is here with us tonight. 
He talks about this incense here that it's a symbol that as believers pray morning and evening. It's to develop an unbroken communion with God. To never cease being in a spirit of prayer. This is to be a perpetual thing. Dennis and I visited a, a lady today and she's pretty weak, pretty sick. But she talked about she's been praying, still praying to God. And that's wonderful. Jesus said this, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Paul writes this in Ephesians, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This altar of incense there, It had a reason, and that reason was for prayer. Now let's look at the holiness of this altar, verses 9 and 10. These are instructions to the high priest. But remember, we also are a priesthood of believers. The Lord tells Moses, and Moses shares this with Aaron. You shall offer no strange incense thereof, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour drink offering thereon. If you'd look in Leviticus chapter 16, we're going to see something there. Do the pages of your Bible stick together, or is it just mine? <laughs> yeah. Leviticus chapter 16, we'll begin reading in verse 12. This is talking about the high priest now in verse 12. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony, that he die not. This, the high priest was to take fire off of that altar that was outside, some coals of fire, and bring it. And this was the fire that was to be in the altar of incense there. But they were forbidden from making a sacrifice on that. They were not to burn an offering on it. Not to put any meat on it. Or to pour any drink on it. It was only for incense. Verse 13, he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, 
that cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony. And look at these last four words there, that he die not. Very serious, isn't it? God has serious ways of doing things. Verse 14, he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. I preached about this the other day about when Barabbas was released and Jesus was condemned. It's a picture, verse 15. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. He shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of them. And you can read on and he sends that other goat away out into the wilderness bearing the sins of the people, signifying to them that their sins were forgiven and gone. Well, here, this altar of incense, they were not to just put any kind of fire on it, but it had to come from that other altar out there. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year, once every year. And I would say it's around Passover time. It doesn't spell it out here, but I'm sure that's when it would happen. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it, upon the horns of this altar of incense, once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. That blood that it talked about over there in Leviticus. Once in a year shall he make an atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. This was a place of worship. The rest of this chapter deals with who may worship. This part of it was how we worship. The rest of it covers who may worship. Do you have a question or comment that you'd like to, to make or share with us tonight? These things get pretty well in detail. Let me read this to you, what this writer says. He says it is at the altar of prayer where we plead the power of Christ's blood to cleanse us and accept us. It is at the altar of prayer where we stand in Christ's atonement, where we are reconciled to God. It is at the altar of prayer where we go behind the inner curtain in Christ's name and experience the wonderful presence and glory of God himself. I think he summed that up pretty good. We appreciate you being here tonight and hope that you have been blessed by the Word of God and that 
God will continue to use you as you pray for other people, that God will bless you and answer your prayers. We want to gather together in our prayer groups, our small groups, and spend some time in prayer before uh, they come with choir rehearsal tonight. Brother Lawrence, would you lead us in our benediction?